0: You're listening to the Food and Fitness Podcast. The show is all about things related food and fitness. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at food.fitnesspodcast. We're your host, Dave Marshall
1: and Jessica White.
0: Jackie will be joining us shortly. On today's episode, we're joined by Rebecca Landman, owner and operator of Landman Gardens and Bakery, located outside of Grand Valley in Ontario. Landman Gardens and Bakery is much more than its name. Uh, they produce baked goods, And they have preserves, amazing fruits and vegetables and meats, raised local pork and chicken. And to top it off, they will also do cooking for you in their amazing Black House dinners.
1: So welcome, Rebecca. Thank you so much for um, coming on to the podcast today. We are so excited to have you um, talk a little bit more about Landman's Garden and Bakery. Um, So what made you decide to take this avenue as a career?
2: Um, So it's kind of a long story. Um, So I'm one of six kids, uh, and my dad's one of nine. Um, So I've always grown up uh, in a very full dining room, living room, lawn, um, filled with people and and lots of food. Um, So I think when I was trying to pick what I wanted to do, um, was college or university, it was it kind of just came natural, like, "Mm, I kind of like cooking, I I should maybe learn a bit more about it. Um, And then kind of learning more about cooking and all the different things that we could do. Like I could work in a fine dining restaurant or we could work in a bakery or all these different options. Um, I kind of eventually came up with, with my own business plan. So it was to grow and raise our own um, meats, eggs, fruits, vegetables, all kinds of stuff on the farm, but also to be able to process them um, in our commercial kitchen. Um, so that wasn't really like, it wasn't very clear to start. It was kind of like, I kind of like growing stuff, and I I like making strawberry jam. So let's see what we can do. Um, so another kind of part of it is the whole um, connection that food food brings. So um, sitting around a table with my siblings, um, dinners are hectic and crazy, um, but still like eating some of the same meals. It's like you're you're transported back in time. Um, so still when we have like a roast beef dinner with mashed potatoes. Um, I can almost hear my little brothers arguing over who spilled the glass of milk at dinner. Um, So I think that's a really cool thing with food is that it triggers all these memories. Um, So I I just wanted to be able to create help people create more of these awesome food memories. Um, So lots of those memories are from my grandparents, too. Um, So my grandparents grew a big vegetable garden on the farm. Um, So still, like, eating a green bean reminds me of picking beans in the hot July sun with grandma um so yeah I think that that was the whole basis of it um it like I said it wasn't very clear when I wanted to start but now the further we get into this this year will be 10 years that we've been open um so yeah it's just the the connection that that people have with food and and the way that it brings us together as a community is is pretty cool
1: yeah and it just keeps evolving
2: Mm -hmm, for
1: sure So you grow your own produce for consumption and sale. You raise animals on your farm for sale um, and you hire local staff to produce products. So why is doing everything local um, so important to you and your business? And how does buying local impact an individual's health?
2: That's a big question. It is. Um, (laughs) so, So the local thing uh it all just kind of made sense when I started um it wasn't I don't want to say it wasn't like a focus on my business but it was like the feed like that's how we've always ran the farm like the feed stores down the road like we use the butcher shop that's that's closest um our vet lives a side road over um all those kind of things made sense um so when we started doing stuff in the kitchen like um canning tomatoes it made the most sense to like find the local tomato grower um so I think locals always just made a lot of sense to me um, being born and raised on a dairy farm, um, seeing how how many people in the, the community that, that it employs. Um, so yeah, and then the, the important thing um with hiring local staff is it's it's just so neat. Um so I never really thought that I'd be able to um, employ full-time staff year-round. Um, but this this year we're going to have seven staff um so that's the highest number that i've had and three of them will be full-time for the year um and then the other four full-time for the summer so like that's a lot of labor that's a lot of hours um they have kids they've got mortgages they have student loans like all these all these uh things that are also contributing to our, our local economy so um yeah i think local is super important um and it sets us apart too from uh the regular grocery store products Um, because we can say like, we just got tomatoes and asparagus um, this afternoon from uh, the Besleys, and they're in Shelburne. So we can say that to our customers in the morning. Um, Mm -hmm. Like these tomatoes were grown 10 minutes away. Um, How cool is that? Um, So yeah. I
0: mean, like I've, I've been lucky enough to experience um, like your products through your store. uh, Also uh, when you're at the farmer's market and, Uh, Fortunate enough to enjoy the Black House dinner. And it's really nice to have the story that goes behind um, the meals and the experience. And I mean, walking on your property uh, when you approach, and I mean, you can see the chickens, you can see pigs, you can see where the garden is. And then you're just like, and then that's where you buy it. And it looks it's almost like the perfect ending to one of those tours like guided tours at a museum and you're like this is where all the art is and here's our gift shop to the left and i love it it's such a great experience
2: yeah i actually had a a customer i was rushing in um because of the store we ran out of eggs um halfway through the day the other day so i threw charlotte in the carrier and we ran out to the chicken coop brought a basket of eggs back in so i'm like all Dirty from running through the field with charlotte and rubber boots and um anyways the customer she rolled down her window she was about to leave and she said she rolled down her window and was like oh my gosh did you just collect those eggs like those are like right fresh I said, <laughs> yep really like the chickens just laid them uh like within the hour so she pulled back in parked got out and came in and bought bought some eggs so it was a neat thing because like i do that every day i collect eggs i feed the chickens but to her it was like it was like this instant connection with like chicken that girl collected eggs and I'm gonna buy them and eat them in the morning like it was really neat it's neat for me to like be able to step back and see how people view it too yeah
0: and you're proud in the product that you provide which you can you can tell when you're talking about it like there's a little smile on your face when you're telling that story yeah and it's like yeah it's it's good though because that you care about your product and I think that goes through to your staff and then it goes to the end result uh for your customers and i think
2: sure. anyone who's
0: experienced it is can appreciate it so that's fantastic
2: for sure
0: um so everyone through the you know pandemic has noticed the rising cost of food um sure. but there's also been a huge desire for people to eat locally uh or more local as they can't be traveling all over the place um sure. as a farmer and a business owner Can you, how would you educate people on how to buy local and maybe if they have to buy in a budget, how they could do that as well?
2: For sure. Um, So it was kind of a cool thing that we saw the first, like the beginning of the pandemic, was um, we closed the store and thought, like, are we going to reopen? Like, what's going to happen? Um, So within two weeks, we reopened and our freezers were empty. Um, so it was the first year that we sold out of every single cut of chicken, pork, everything we had. Um, and then as we started getting, uh, raising meat and getting it back from the avatar selling like crazy. Um, so a couple of things that we we've noticed um, that customers are purchasing differently. Um, so we, we started selling more bulk uh, meat packages. So we sell like five and 10 pound boxes of uh, chicken breasts or thighs or um, and then we do a couple different different meat boxes different times of the year. Um, so that's really helped both us and the consumer because we know what's RV. Like it's it's way easier for us to sell stuff um, like a 10 pound box of chicken breasts than a pack of chicken breasts to 10 people. Um, yeah. And then we can pass some of the savings on to to our customers. Um, so that's one way that you can support. Um, lots of different local farms do different bulk options. Um, so. Uh in the fall, we've got half pigs and whole pigs available too. Um, but I know like veggie farmers they'll sell things by the, the bushel. Um another thing that people have started is canning. Um so that's that's become popular and, and cool again. So I think that's pretty awesome. Um so learning learning how to can and, and freeze stuff. And um, I mean, my grandma, the, the wealth of information she has, she should start her own podcast, maybe. Um <laughs> But yeah, so I think if you, if you are interested in buying local, but also wanting to figure out how to do it uh, economically, um, those are a couple of really great options. Uh, get a chest freezer um, and then, or you can always split stuff with, uh, I've had families that they ordered a whole pig and they split it with their neighbor. Um, so that's a really cool idea too. Um, and then another thing with the, the cost of everything um, is we're seeing some of our costs go up like Crazy, and it, it doesn't. They don't seem to make sense. Um, so some of our packaging costs have gone up by like fifteen to twenty percent in a year, and they normally go up like one to two percent. Um, our feed costs this year has gone up thirty five percent. Like that's a lot of money. Um, so yeah, we're we're stuck between a rock and a hard place because we want to provide good food that's. People can afford, uh, but also we can't go broke doing it. Um, mm-hmm. So it's, yeah, it's a tough, it's a tough world. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think as as if people can support a local farm, um, and even if they don't have to do it all the time, um, but to get out there and and see what's in your neighborhood is, is there's there's to- so many uh, so many local farms that are doing all kinds of cool stuff.
1: Yeah, and you just you can't get any fresher than buying directly from the farmer so sure you were just talking about how the eggs completely the freshest eggs that that your customer had bought so i had to just google um how old can eggs be in the grocery stores so what do you guys think how how old do you think that those eggs in a typical grocery store could how old do you think they could be
2: well i think i know so they okay
0: i it's funny because i actually googled this Uh, A while ago. And um, I, because that was one of my questions. Uh, You know, I have friends who were dairy farmers and uh, yourself. um, And I just, I didn't know what the disconnect was. And I think it was measured in weeks rather than days or hours.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So according to Google, so this is Farmer's (laughs) Almanac, um, by law, an egg can be sold for up to 30 days after the date it was put into a carton. Um, But the farmer can have up to 30 days. Before that egg is put into the carton, so that means that a, su- a supermarket egg can could be um, two months old by the time that you buy them. And then you buy them, you put them in your fridge for a couple of weeks. So yeah, that's it's mind blowing. That's so crazy. It's you just totally go down different. the road and buy from a local farmer, knowing that they're fresher than anything else. <laughs>
2: yeah, I think for the most part, with that, um, one of our our neighbors is a chicken farmer and they, they sell to Gray Ridge. Um and they, the trucks in there every single day collecting, they bring the eggs in, in and out. Um, but you definitely can sell eggs up to 40 days. Um, so, so yeah, it's a, uh, it's a total, it's a totally different experience for sure. Yeah, for sure. So- now
0: I know that the way they treat eggs in Europe and the way they treat eggs here are very different because yep. you can buy eggs off the shelf not yep. the refrigerated section. So do you, do you know, and I, I don't, because that's why I'm asking if the time frame is different in Europe than it is over here.
2: Um, I think it's a, the difference is like, um, so they don't generally wash their eggs the same as us. So we, um, so if you don't wash an egg, the, the membrane on it makes it last longer. That's why um, they can keep them. Like I still wouldn't keep eggs on a shelf, um, but I've kept them in the bowl and are. In our kitchen uh, just for our own use. Um, but yeah, once you wash the outside of an egg, um, then that membrane disappears and they don't last quite as long and they should be refrigerated. So I think that's the main difference. Oh. Because, like In Europe, it's a weird thing to wash eggs and here it's a weird thing not to, I think.
1: That's so interesting. Or you know. Yeah, we, we go camping so much and my dad, he has two laying hens and he's always like, oh, the eggs don't need to be in the cooler. But that makes sense and yeah. I, I still get so weirded out I'm like no dad yeah. like put some ice on those things but <laughs> <laughs> but they've always been totally fine <laughs> yeah for sure so um kind of going back to the whole buying why buying local is so important um what can the impact be for farms like yours when people shop locally
2: um so the biggest impact uh I, I've pr- I left, Sorry, I'm going to touch about COVID. I guess um, so. The biggest impact that we've had um, in the last year is the amount of customers that are supporting us weekly, um, biweekly, monthly uh, is been able. We've been able to keep our doors open um, even when we stopped doing all the extra things. So we used to host workshops. Uh, we hosted dinners, um, lunches, and different events on the farm. Uh, we've stopped all of that and then just kept the farm store open, um, which we weren't really sure that was a viable thing because it was only at like a quarter of our revenue before. Um, and now it's uh, surpassed all of the other things. Um, so by, by having all these wonderful people that have supported our farm in the last year, um, we're able to keep our staff employed. Uh, we're able to keep uh, the different farms we have about, 15 different um companies that we buy stuff from uh in the store as well. So like we have honey and maple syrup and um beeswax wraps and sparkling cider, all kinds of different things. Um so being able to keep ordering stuff from them as well, too, is the the impact's amazing.
1: Yeah. It's like you have your own little market right at your yeah. front. Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
0: And because you if you're doing it right at your own property, you don't have to pay for rental space or um, like you don't have to give anyone else a cut. It's all coming straight from you. And you know, that, that impact really
2: helps as well. Yeah, for sure. So
3: we are a podcast for normal people and normal people forget things. And I actually was out on the trail running and enjoying my wonderful run. And I, uh, kind of forgot that I was supposed to be here. So thank you to Rebecca for her patience and (laughs) kindness. So um, I absolutely will um, listen, because I know I've missed some really interesting stuff. So Rebecca, perhaps you can talk about so many things have been forced to change over the past year with new rules coming out quickly, what did you have to do so you were able to keep your clients supplied with food what difficulties have you faced
2: yeah so lots Um, so we're kind of like have a pretty good oiled system now um but uh last march we suddenly we closed our doors um and we're trying to figure out what to do and how to get food to people and how to do it safely um so We built like this ridiculous contact form on our website and had people like fill out what to make uh, or what they would like to order. Um, And then uh, we had a cooler system set up out front and people picked up their order contactlessly. Um, So that worked for a bit until the amount of orders that we got was far exceeding what we could possibly handle in a week. Um, So I brought uh, a couple of my staff back We tried to make as much food as we possibly could, um, but the system wasn't working great um, because customers could just order and order and order and order. And suddenly we'd had to make 150 chicken pies um, as well as everything else in the week. Um, So uh, luckily at the same time, the the point of sale system that we use uh, was building an online uh, platform. Um, So I quickly put together our online store um, and that's been super slick. Um, So customers can pick a pickup time, um, we can put our stock in, and then once it's sold out, it's sold out. Um, so that's really helped us um, figure out how to navigate this because the sheer amount of food that we were suddenly making at the beginning of the pandemic was just crazy. Um, so yeah, I never would imagine five years ago that we would have an online store um, and we'd be marking ourselves in the e-commerce world. Um, but it's been it's been pretty awesome, um, and to, to be able to have the, the skill set to kind of pivot our business. Um, I mean there was lots of learning curves and suddenly we had customers placing orders for pickup at like midnight tomorrow and I'm like, oh gosh, I did something wrong
1: oh
2: <laughs> um, So so figuring that stuff out pretty quick, everybody's super uh, super easy going with all this new um, new worlds. Uh, so calling customers and saying our inventory wasn't right. we don't actually have this or sorry. I didn't realize that I had set it to deliver every day all the time. Um, so that there was lots of learning curves for sure. Um, so, and then another thing with uh, when COVID first happened was we had a hard time getting some supplies. Um, so like dairy, um, our, our suppliers couldn't get us big pails of yogurt and we use yogurt in our scones. Um, so instead they started sending us the small little packs like individual ones um so it was just interesting to see the supply chains they didn't I I don't want to say fail but like they couldn't quite figure out what to do with what because like all the restaurants closed so like Mm -hmm. a yogurt supply line didn't need to be making pails of yogurt but they needed to be making small things um so yeah it was just it took a while um I would but I would say by mid summer we could get most of our supplies um again and things are are pretty normal now. Um, Occasionally, we'll have a hard time with certain packaging or um, getting gloves or masks. Those things were a bit tricky. Um, Yeah, I think for the most part, everything uh, is kind of leveled out.
1: And I follow you on social too. So correct me if I'm wrong, but you also became a new mom last year in the midst
2: of all of this too. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, Charlotte was four months old when it all happened. So here I thought I could work with a baby and like, it'd be great. I could like go in in the morning and like leave when she needs a nap. And then suddenly it was like, we can't do anything. We can't go anywhere. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it was, yeah, lots of, lots of weird stuff. But uh...
0: So I, I love that. So one of the things is people, they, they really want to know where their food comes from. And I think with the opening uh, of the internet, uh, like so much social media uh, impact like that. People like to know where it is, where it's grown, if the animal had a name um, or, you know, what row. It's funny because that's actually one question I asked someone when I bought half a cow. Um, but how, do you, how can you educate your clients on where uh, your products come from? And what are some questions maybe that people should be asking their local farmer or farmer's market when they're shopping to know that they're getting a quality product?
2: So a really cool thing with social media is we're able to educate our customers um, all the time. So we do lots of different uh, short videos on our Instagram. Um, So it's your actual story, but then also um, actual posts. Um, So we try to uh, educate our customers on like how we're growing our food, why we're doing things the way we are, um, right from like when we get a baby chick uh, up until they, they head out to the abattoir um, and to what's, what's happening in the kitchen. So we like to show lots of behind the scenes, um, simple steps like, uh, tomorrow we're going to post a behind the scenes of like how we put together a chickpea salad. Um, so it's, it's really neat, um, to be able to have the, the social media, um, and the different venues and, and ways that we can educate our customers without, uh, physically dragging them around the farm. Um, and then as far as learning about your food from all kinds of different farms, um, I think the important thing is to um, educate yourself a bit too. Um, so the way that I kind of see it is that um, different farms go into different things on purpose. Um, so like our yeah. our neighbor is um, a dairy farmer, so they milk cows, we milk goats, uh, a guy off the road raises um, laying hens. So everybody's doing something and I would consider them an expert in their fields. Um, so if you go into a conversation with a farmer, um, think about them as expert on it. Uh, so there's lots of weird stuff that you can read online. Um, the strangest thing, I have lots of strange customers, not strange customers, strange questions from customers about um, they've heard that this is how chickens are raised or like somebody asked me if, they, if chickens have their feet tied together so then they gain more weight. Like what? Like that? That? So then, without it's really hard to educate some people uh, without also saying like, please stop reading that junk because that doesn't even make sense. Um, so I think farmers are are in it because they they enjoy what they're doing. Um, so like we enjoy raising chickens and pigs and turkeys and all these different things, um, and I enjoy talking to people about it um, and, and answering any questions about, uh, every step of the way, um, even like up to the loading of the abattoir, um, and what that looks like. I've had customers ask those questions too. Um, so we don't talk about that a lot on social media because nobody really, it's not a great thing to talk about. Um, but, but I'm still welcome. Uh, I still welcome questions, um, about every part of it. Um, yeah, anything do you want me to, I think
0: that's, I think that's great. The fact that you're willing to talk about that part of the process, because a lot of the times um, people can see um, a photo of a pig and then they can see pork chops on the shelf, but they don't have the idea of how that gets there. And um, I mean, unfortunately, yeah, there is a loss of life. Um, Mm. But I think the important thing is when you have a farmer who cares so much about their product uh, from the very beginning, you can tell the end result what kind mm. of effort was was put into that and I mean your pork does not taste like other pork
2: and yeah. I that's a good thing
0: and when you I think when a, a general consumer first tastes uh, a product like yours um they can sometimes they're put off by it because they're like well this isn't what it tastes like in the grocery store yeah but that doesn't mean that your product is bad it might be that your product is correct yeah but the other one has been processed so heavily or so disconnected from the original intention of what that product is supposed to be I mean the first time I ever had grass-fed beef totally weird because yeah. I was like this is not the beef flavor that I grew like up on Beef, <laughs> yeah and then you have like dry aged beef and you're like whoa or you have um, pigs that were raised like on walnuts or like on tree nuts and you're like wow this tastes completely different mm. than anything else and I've I love how society, I think there's pockets of it that are moving towards this area of wanting to eat hyper-local. And I think immigration has a huge thing to do with that because people are coming from countries and they ate a certain way and they want to eat that same way again. And local farmers like yourselves are able to meet those things and they can get the cuts that they could get at home, but they can't get in the grocery store. And like that was my favorite thing one time is I, I sat behind someone ordering and you could tell that they were an immigrant to this new country and they wanted something specific. And I learned so much from their ordering process. And I was like, I just want what they're having. (laughs) And then the next time I was like, I want as little ground as possible. And I want to know all the little strange cuts that no one else gets. And then like four hours later on the internet, I'm learning how to cook a skirt steak from a pig (laughs) Nobody knew that you could do that before. Yeah. There's a skirt steak from a pig. It was fantastic. Yeah, I think, I, uh, oh, sorry.
1: I was just going to say, I think in general, um, a lot of the, I, I I don't know, this is just an assumption, but I think more and more people are becoming more educated in mm-hmm. what they're eating. And I think that, that, it, that it's just a big, huge realization that you, you have to talk to the farmer. You have to know where your food is coming from. And your local farmer is completely different than factory farming and that steak or piece of meat that you're going to get at the typical grocery store. It's just a comp- raised completely different and getting to know your farmer, getting to know how they raise it, what their ethics are on food in general. Um,
2: it makes a huge difference. For sure. I was going to touch on um, what Dave just said about the immigrants and learning how to cook so many different cuts. Um, so we, we get all of our organ meats and feet and all those things back. Um, so it's, it is very neat to learn. Uh, like I wasn't raised in a household that we ate organs or chicken feet or, uh, pig trotters or any of those things. We just ate the regular cuts. Um, and those things we just didn't get back from the abattoir. So learning how to get, um, so the point is like, we, like a chicken did die in the process of us consuming the meat. Um, so I think honoring that and, and being able to utilize as much, uh, that we actually can, um, is the best way to to honor that. So learning how to use chicken feet to make stock, um, and saving all the chicken backs and, um, learning how to make pate with the liver. Like it's, it's really, it's really amazing to see people learning all these things. And then also sharing, sharing their knowledge, the amount of customers that we've asked, um, that are getting like bulk quantities of pork trotters. Um, like, what are you doing with these? And can I have the recipe please? Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's really cool um, to see so many different ethnic backgrounds and, and how people are using all these different cuts is it's, yeah, it's been really a good learning experience for me too.
0: So you're having an opportunity to learn from your clients at mm-hmm. the same time. For sure. I, lo- I love that, that's yeah. so fantastic. And yeah. because, the, because they're a local, suppl- or local shopper to local farmer, that connection is there, mm-hmm. where you may not have that in another place. Exactly. Yeah.
3: Can, can I just say, I love the fact that you said you honor the food. Mm-hmm. And I think that that, you know, from our Indigenous culture, that's something we've lost. We just put yeah. food on our table and we just eat it. Yeah. And, you know, I, I know the Indigenous culture whereby if they kill a deer or something that they they honor the deer and the life and the spirit that it's given up to sustain them. So I, I really like that fact that you know your food is not just you know things that you sit on your plate that you've eaten that fills your stomach that it's 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 something gave up to give to you and we really mm-hmm. need to be aware of that.
1: So I love the fact that you said that. Yeah. Yes. So switching gears a little bit from meat over to veggies because um, I know that you you grow so many amazing veggies, um, but where is a good place to start for a beginner who wants to plant their own edible garden? So, what are some good items for them to start with, and what is best to avoid in the beginning?
2: Um, so, I think there's lots of great things to start with. Um, so, I guess it depends on your space and how much time you have. Um, so, I would start with growing a couple pots of things so like tomatoes super easy herbs super easy um and don't grow things that you like to eat uh, because you might have a hundred tomatoes um so uh or radishes they're super they grow in 20 days like that's amazing um and also a cool thing that that um we've seen a lot is people uh getting their kids involved um in growing stuff and like still like putting a seed in the ground and it's sprouting into something is amazing to me still. Um, and I understand the whole process of it, but like for a kid to be able to see planting a bean seed and it grows into a plant and then grows more beans. Like that's amazing. Um, so I would say like start with super easy stuff. Um, don't till up your whole backyard and try to grow everything for your family to eat. Um, unless you've got the summer, then that's great. Um, and visit your local um, greenhouse or garden center. Uh, they have a wealth of knowledge um, and lots of them ha- have lots of started seeds. Um, so you can go buy cucumbers and kale and all those things. Um, and there's lots of really cool resources online about what grows well together. Um, so if you get a couple of pots, um, grow cucumbers at the trellis. Like there's, there's so many neat things, um, but I would suggest starting, don't try to start everything from seed go to a garden center, get some things that are started really well um, and start with a couple things that you really, really enjoy eating or maybe something that you've never even tried. That's also a cool, a cool way to start too.
1: That's awesome. Mm -hmm. I, so I was just going to say we're recording this um, right before May 2 for a weekend. Mm-hmm. So, May 2 for a weekend is the weekend that I always am at home and I always plant all my veggies. So, I have about 12 packages I think downstairs that I'm going to try to seed awesome. this year. Last year I probably only did 6. So, growing a little bit more every year. Um, but yeah, you're right. Like watch what you're growing because if you don't eat that certain thing, they'll just go to waste which is what happened to me last year. I planted so many peppers um, and really all I wanted was red peppers. I didn't need the chilies. <laughs> we have a hundred of them. Yeah. So my, it made my neighbor really happy, but I yeah. didn't really eat any of those. <laughs>
0: yeah. I think some of the fun stuff is uh, like when my wife and I are walking, there's one house that we walk by in our neighborhood and um, they're, they started sprouting everything, I think, probably about a month and a half ago. So they have racks in their windows oh um, with lights and just, like, little sprouts. It's fantastic just to see how excited they are about what's yeah. probably going to come down the road. Um, I really hope that we walk by later and there's, like, baskets of food. Like, please take this yeah. away. Uh, or, you know, those those are the kinds of exciting things. But, like, a lot of people are getting to, to gardening, which is super exciting. A lot of people are going to have that. Uh, connection with their food uh, which again I'm super excited about and because I love food so much I like that other people are starting to like food so much and I think that can really start to change how people consume food and how food is is cared for down the road
2: for sure mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm. Rebecca just mentioned earlier on that you are a relatively new mom and and I'm I'm because I'm late joining um, having a relationship with your food is really important. That's the sense that I'm getting. And I really never recognized that until I had a kid. Cause you know, you just put food in your table and you just eat it and then you go and do something else. Yep. And then when you have a kid, I became a little more concerned about, you know, did you get your protein today? Like I would use yep. words with my kids and I'm sure my kids were just like, Mom, five-year-olds don't talk about protein and carbohydrates. <laughs> but that's when I became super sensitive. Now, you've always been in the food industry. Um, have you changed at all since becoming a mom and your thoughts about food now that you have a little one?
2: For sure. So I think my kind of change started when I was pregnant with Charlotte. Um, so I never used to stop for lunch, and I often would eat breakfast on the go. Um, so suddenly you're... couple months pregnant and that is not possible you know fall over um so realizing like my body's building a human right now I need to be taking better care of it uh was a huge a huge thing for me um so learning how like we always ate well but I would say that for the most part in the summer be like oh I gotta get this done gotta get that done like grab a sandwich and and head out to the fields kind of thing um so I think that's when I kind of started to i guess take better care of myself too um and more intentional care i think um so then when charlotte was born um she didn't start eating obviously for a couple months um but we started doing uh, baby led weaning so it's like feeding her more um actual foods instead of pureed stuff so like really soft cooked broccoli um so that was really neat uh because she is the least picky kid i've ever met ever uh, her favorite foods now are broccoli and tomatoes. Um, so, like, that's awesome. I gave her a bit of chocolate pudding the other night and she was like, Oof. pushed it away and grabbed more broccoli. It's so, like, cool. <laughs> but, like, chocolate pudding is still good, kid. Um, so, I think, yeah, it's definitely, I've definitely learned a lot about, uh, and like the whole thing, like, with having protein and making sure that she's getting enough good fats and uh, yeah, it's totally changed my my perspective and like the whole intentional eating and and making sure that I have snacks packed everywhere. <laughs> um, it's been yeah, it's it's uh, it, everything changes when you have a kid. <laughs> it's uh, it's pretty amazing.
1: Yeah, it is amazing, and it I I find the same thing. I have a five year old and you know, everything's changing all of the time with what he wants and what he doesn't want, but he still loves veggies. And I think when you start them young and you introduce and you continue to introduce, um, it's, it's the best way to start them, but you do have to be more mindful. Um, so what can people expect to see in the future with landmines?
2: So that's a hard question. Uh, (laughs) like five years ago, I have like, I had a solid answer for that. Now, not really sure. Um, so we're, we're building our, like before we would have a business plan for a couple years down the road. Um, it would it's always changing. Um, but I mean, now we're building like a plan into just the fall and then from the fall to the winter. Um, so I think for now our plan is to keep the farm store obviously open, uh, keep our online store open as long as it's useful for people, um, with the idea that we can start to add stuff back in, um, as the world reopens and, and as our, our staff is comfortable. Um, so I really miss having people on the farm and being able to like host a workshop and teach them how to can and, uh, host lunches and all those things. Um, it's, I think it's mainly seeing people and connecting and, um, having them sit around a table laughing and all those things. It's just, it's, uh, I hope we can start to do them all again soon. Um, so yeah, so we'll see what the, what the year brings. I don't foresee us adding any of that stuff back this year, um, but uh, mainly because we're in like a small kitchen environment and we are bringing people in from all over the province um, or like the dinners were 16 people that were booked as individual tickets or couples, um, again, from all over Ontario. So I think we'll probably wait to start lots of that stuff into the spring, um, but again, we'll see, we'll see what happens. Um, so yeah, for now we're going to keep the online store going, farm store going, um, we're constantly adding to our social media, so we're trying to, to keep relationship building and um, keep showing everybody what, what we're doing. Um, and uh, yeah, the importance of, of supporting local farms for sure.
3: I have to admit I'm, I'm jealous of your job and the fact that you're outside and you're in nature. And uh, I'm going to geek out a little bit here. There's some really neat stuff that originally came out of Japan. It was called forest bathing. I'm not even going to try and pronounce the Japanese word for it, but as a forest bathing is people's mental health really improved. Just simply being outside and rates of depression, anxiety, all that stuff decreased. And um, as a food and fitness podcast, we really believe that food and fitness go hand in hand and fitness can be defined, not just the lifting of weights. How do you find that the job that you do as a farmer impacts you from that fitness perspective? And I'll let you kind of define a little bit what fitness means to you.
2: For sure. Um, So a farmer, depending on where where you're working or what you're doing, um, it's all kinds of different levels of of, uh, physical activity. Um, so for the most part, my job is fairly physical. Um, so we have our chickens out on pastures. So we are physically going out and moving their coops onto a new area of pasture, moving the feed bags, um, physically moving the actual animals. Um, and I'm normally doing it with the Charlotte on my back. So I'm a 30 pound weight or chasing her through the field. Um, so I think uh, fitness is, is, a, is a huge thing, but it's, it's also something that we kind of take for granted as farmers. Um, so when I was pregnant, I had um, a strange knee injury called a Baker's cyst. Um, so I couldn't walk for two weeks and I was losing my mind, just sitting with my leg up on the couch. Um, so I physically felt fine, but my leg was swollen uh, like crazy. So I think um, after going through something like that, I, I, I really, the whole thing about like honoring our body and making sure we're taking care of it and resting and eating and, all those important things. Um, it's, it's a bigger thing than just being able to move a bunch of feed bags uh, without losing your breath. Um, it's, uh, I think it's a whole way, way of living for sure. Mm-hmm.
3: How, how would you describe, and, and I'm really interested in the mental aspect. So how would you describe kind of that time whereby you had your foot up on the table or whatever not being able to move from both that physical, but also that like missing farming. I don't know, maybe, I assume you like getting your hands soiled and feeding the chickens and hanging out with the animals. Like, can you describe kind of from that mental perspective?
2: Yeah. So for like the first two days I was like, sweet, this is great. (laughs) Got some food here. Like you can watch some bad movies. Um, But then after that, it was also like July. So it was beautiful. so, yeah, I definitely felt like my mental health was like, Boo. um, and then, uh, luckily I have, uh, lots of, lots of great support. So I could call my sister and say like, oh, this sucks so much. Um, she's like, everything's fine. You're going to be walking soon. Don't worry. Um, but I can totally see, um, yeah, how injuries and, and, and stuff, um, definitely affect your, your mental health, um. So, and, and being outside and physically active all the time, uh, even then I was six months pregnant and we were still uh, were still doing all kinds of things. Um, so yeah, sorry, did that answer your question? Kind of?
3: Yeah, yeah, basically. I, I mean, I'm just, I'm always interested in the fact, and then I say that I'm jealous because I sit in these four walls yeah. and I find sometimes I, I need to get outside um, mm. and it's simply mm. being in nature for me yeah. is, is critical. And I feel the sense of, and I don't even really know the word. It's just a sense of, you know, and and I'm not really a gardener at all, but I do feel good when I get dirt under my fingernails, right? Yep. And it's kind of seeing the things grow. And for me, it's just simply being outside. So when I say I'm jealous, I'm I'm jealous in the fact that your job is outside in nature and you get to see these things grow so that's just you know my take on it maybe people are like nope just a job throwing some seeds in um bills and we harvest it and then i break for winter or something so
2: yeah yeah i think you're yeah i think you're totally right there's something something magical about it being able to see everything come alive in the spring and enjoy every every season is uh yeah pretty lucky for sure
0: So uh, before we sign off, uh, I do have one question for you that I've actually never asked you, but I didn't send you earlier. Uh, As someone who's so involved in food and farming, what is your favorite thing to eat? And what is your least favorite thing to eat? And we're Uh, not even going to hold it against you, uh, but you have to answer the second part.
2: Okay. Um, Favorite thing. That really changes all year. Um, I would say strawberries are probably like pretty high up there like a good fresh strawberry um my least favorite is definitely like radishes they're not good (laughs) (laughs) I I keep trying to like them but they're just spicy and not delicious um (laughs) but yeah I think every season has got something you know when it's like fall and you're like I just need an apple like being able to to have access to that that those foods is is pretty cool too, um, and to see them grow seasonally and and uh, also using them in the kitchen is is amazing. Um, so we're we just ordered 170 pounds of asparagus for pickling next week. So I might not be a fan of asparagus by the end of the week, but let's we'll <laughs> see. Um,
0: there is something really special about like picking something from the garden and just eating it like asparagus tastes special at that certain time of year and like corn at a certain time of year like there's nothing like that corn or like even peaches man you get like that peach and then you eat it and it's just you have to like stick out and like eat it like oh yeah to me that's one of my favorites like seasonal fruits is is up there
1: for me asparagus is my favorite and actually when I was in high school to college I worked seasonally at an asparagus farm um like bunching them and putting the elastics on them trimming the ends so doing that all summer long I still love asparagus (laughs) amazing (laughs)
0: that's impressive
1: it's uh you know one of those things where you can never get enough of it
0: (laughs) okay Jess what's your least favorite
1: It's so hard. I love vegetables so much. Um, I don't know something that I'll never buy in the store. I honestly I don't know what I don't buy for vegetables. I am I am not picky when it comes to food. That's good. I love everything. Um, Probably artichokes, just because I don't know how to cook with them. Yeah,
0: they're an intimidating vegetable.
1: Yeah, yeah. (laughs)
0: <laughs> my one of my least favorites um is chickpeas I don't know what it is but there's something about like the texture of like this the skin especially maybe especially canned chickpeas but like the skin and like the inside no for me it's just not it's not my thing I'll eat hummus I have no problem with that but like canned chickpeas not my thing
3: That's so Jackie
0: funny. let's hear it we favorite and
3: least favorite. We had chickpea curry lentil tonight for dinner. I loved it,
0: uh, and I'll, I'll eat that.
3: Just not out of. Um, so yeah. I am a very picky eater. I'm sorry to say I am, and I, I, it, it uh, took me a while to learn to like a lot of vegetables. But my least favorite is Brussels sprouts, and I don't think I can ever eat Brussels sprouts. Followed very closely by asparagus. And I could go on. So it is something that I've always tried to incorporate. I like my spices, um, but I'm a big fruit girl. So um, I like the crunchiness. I love the texture of cucumbers and carrots and, and stuff like that. So um, I am trying to be more adventuresome, but yeah, I, I will continue to do that.
0: I think trying is the biggest step. So Rebecca, you know, thank you very much for coming on. We really appreciate it. I think uh, the three of us have learned a ton uh, from what you've said. Uh, I think our listeners will also be able to learn a ton uh, and do um, maybe look at their garden a little bit differently or their yard. And next thing you know, we'll have people write about how they have no lawn anymore and just gardens. Um, but uh, let's have an opportunity for you to share with our listeners um, where they can find you um social media your websites all that kind of stuff.
2: Awesome. Uh so yeah our farm store we're just 5 minutes north of Grand Valley. Um but if you go onto our website there's a map um because I know some people are a little mixed up with back roads. Um so our website is uh um or you can visit our online store and it's shoplambens.ca. Um you can find us on Facebook Instagram um and it's just at lamb and gardens um yeah be sure to give us a like and let us know what you want to see i'm always happy to have feedback um and uh to hear what people are are looking to learn about um and yeah thanks for having me guys this is great
1: yeah thank you Yeah, thank you
0: very
3: much
1: much.
0: summer's always a pleasant season here in southern ontario and uh i think this summer is going to be a little bit different for everyone uh, I remember an old slogan from, I think it was uh, OLG, Ontario Lottery Gaming, and it was know your limits, play within it. And that's kind of how my wife and I have uh, looked at uh, fitness uh, in regards to uh, the last year. So we knew what our county was. We had as much fun as we can within our county. Uh, so those were our limits we played within them. But uh, with with both of you, um, how uh, what kind of challenges have you faced when it came to uh, adjusting your summer plans and um, how have you been able to overcome them and what are you looking forward to this summer?
3: Um, okay. so I, I'll start I guess. Um, so for me what am I looking forward to this summer? I have actually a dream where I did actually have a dream the other day where I'm sitting with my friends on a patio and we're enjoying a meal and uh, we're taking time and we're savoring the food and we're laughing and we're We're just sharing company with others. Um, So that's what I'm really looking forward to. Um, I also run with a group and uh, we don't do it anymore. And it's not the run that I look forward to, but it's the afterwards. It's the parking lot banter that I look forward to. So, you know... I, I don't know if I'm any different than anybody, but I look forward. And again, this is why I'm uh, my passion for mental health has grown significantly. And that's why I always look at fitness as physical because I do really well in the physical stuff, mental stuff. I'm feeling that drain and I, I think that I'm pretty mentally strong. And I always think if I'm feeling it, oh my goodness, there's lots of people that are struggling right now. So, um, I don't have any specific things other than, I just want to connect with people. I love you guys, but I really wanna see you face to face, like in my face, not on a screen.
1: Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm definitely feeling that burnout too. And I don't know if there is a single parent in the province battling or kind of trying to balance working for themselves and trying to do online learning at home that isn't feeling that burnout. It's a lot. Um, So this summer I'm really looking forward to not having to balance online kindergarten and my work. Um, I'm really excited that summer camps have opened up because I think that that finally allows my son a chance for a little bit of normal. Um, So I I have signed him up for a couple weeks this summer just so I can um, kind of focus on my work. He can still have fun. He can still have that know schools out for the summer something to look forward to Um, but on weekends we are really big into the outdoors and a couple years ago we we decided to buy a camping trailer a lot of our family members have camping trailers Um, so I'm really looking forward to being outdoors all weekend long at the trailer with the dogs um, amazing food on the barbecue and just out in nature calming down and you know recharging. Um, I also bought a kayak and I went out last weekend all weekend uh, two different lakes so I'm really excited to explore um, a little bit more in our local area we have so many amazing uh, small lakes around us so I'm really excited to go out and just adventure Um, so that's what I'm looking forward to this summer.
0: Yeah for myself it's definitely um Getting out there and uh, getting to experience as many uh, kilometers of trails as we can. But, you know, we have planned trails around uh, wineries, breweries, cideries, food uh, stops. And I think that's what I'm really looking forward to again is uh, reconnecting with uh, the area, the people who are in it, um, you know, and, and not having to run off the trail when someone else is passing by, kind of having a, a closer hello, um, a little bit more connection. And I think. It's not until like the last couple of months where I've really missed that is uh, the social connection with people. And I was actually shockingly an introvert for like a year. Um, but now I'm starting to get back to my old self again. I'm like, man, I really want to get out there and see people again. So that's what I'm looking forward to. I think it's the connection. Um, people really make it uh, special. So that's important for me. Um, I'm, I'm super glad that Rebecca got to come on uh, to this episode. I think we got to learn a lot from her. Um, I'm really looking forward to having an opportunity to go see to her store, um, to go visit her farm again. Uh, so looking forward to that. But uh, until next time, folks, um, we'll talk food.
1: We'll talk fitness. And we'll do it together. Thank you for watching and listening to this week's episode of the Food and Fitness Podcast. Join us next time when we interview Gary Skint, who is an advocate for the local, fresh, and nutritious food movement in Orangeville. We will dive in and discuss the importance of the local farmer's market, community gardens, and how you can grow your very own urban gardens.